0: listening to first church charlotte <clears throat> we live in an era of intense political division we live in an era era of intense social division and an era of intense ethnic division People have always struggled to get along one with another. It's the nature of the human heart. But in the last couple decades, the willingness with which people in this society in which we live have accepted one another has plummeted. You can do scholarly research and you can see how it may be that social media has made us (laughs) antisocial. It might be that our politics have taken a specific turn. You can, you can look many different reasons over the last two decades. But I would like to point out, point out this to you, that hate begets hate. I don't want you to understand that just on a, uh, a human level. I want you to understand that on a spiritual level. Uh, hate begets hate. Shame begets shame. Anger begets anger. Uh, As a society, we have fallen into the trap of not only seeing the differences one with another, but imputing the worst possible motives one to another. Twenty years ago, uh, most Americans could see someone across the political aisle and say, although they disagree on how we build a great America, uh, I know they want to build a great America. Uh, Nowadays, uh, the numbers have gone from the 40% who assumed the essential goodness of their opposites to over 80% of Americans now do not simply think that there's a disagreement with people on how we get to common goals, but they actively think the other side represents evil, represents uh, some type of uh, something that should be uh, hated, and so in our Day and hour, the world has become filled with division. It has become filled with the need to to separate, divide, wall each other off. All of these things are a symptom of the age. And I would like to say as a proclamation here in this building to all of you, we actually have more in common than we do have apart. We have more alike than we have different. We may come from different backgrounds. We may look different. We may have different cultural inheritances. But if we could feel one another's heart and we did not have to work through the image of what we assume about one another, we would discover that our lives feel very, very similar. There is a tremendous book uh, written by Benjamin L. Corey entitled Unafraid, Moving Beyond Fear-Based Faith. And I want to read you a quote from that book, quote, drawing identity from any area other than the source of life. Speaking of God, speaking of the creator, drawing our identity from any other area other than the source of life is a spiritual death sentence. And worse, it is contagious because it gives birth to tribalism. However, when we return to our central identity of image bearers, we bear the image of God. When we return to that central identity of image bearers designed to receive love from and reflect to love to others, we are naturally invited to shed all of the unloving fear based tribal behaviors that come from loyalty to the label you see we If we divide, then we have simply fulfilled the long story of human fear and even human hatred. If we point out how we are different one from another and we in some way impute the negative one to another, all we have done is continued the longest line of human hatred, human fear, and cultural death. We have tried to make ourselves safe By putting someone else down. And what we have discovered is that our safety is very, very thin. Because in our path to safety, we've only succeeded in making more enemies. The greatest gift of love is not whether you win or lose. But that whether or not you win or lose, you made no enemies in the process of trying. You can stand upon strong foundations and you can apply certain doctrine and you can have confidence in the Word of the Lord without bearing about in your style your personality in your actions the very disgust the very contempt that causes the world to turn brother against brother and countrymen against countrymen and uh, ethnic group against ethnic group in the face of diversity some people choose reason for fear. Some people choose and see reason for insecurity, even reason for hostility. And so diversity has led to division, political division, racial division, gender division, cultural division, economic division. And there's always been some of this because it is the human story. But the question I would ask all of you to consider right now is this question. Does God have anything to say about this? If it's natural for us to dislike People who aren't like us. And if it's normal for us to disagree with people who think differently than us, is it possible that that, that God would have anything to say about this? I, I love the story of uh the two neighbors who uh they were uh got on each other's nerves. One of them was a very strong believer. Uh she would open the windows of her house like Daniel, and she would pray for those sinners who lived around her, and she would she would knew all the neighborhood business, and she would shout out that business and say, God Convict him. And that's how she prayed. Well, her neighbor was an atheist. And he uh, he would listen to this. And he'd shake his head. And he'd roll his eyes. And so what she did one weekend, she rolled up, pulled up her window. She started praying, God, you know I'm out of money this week. And I need groceries. And I'm praying you'd send me groceries. Well, her neighbor decided he was going to prove to her that God wasn't going to do it. And so he went to the grocery store. He filled up a big bag of groceries. He came over and he set it on her front porch. And then he hid behind a tree. And she prayed. God, give me some groceries. You know I'm out of money. And he rang the doorbell and he went and he hid. And she came to the door and she saw the bag of groceries. And she snatched it up and she said, Praise God, you have provided. And an atheist neighbor jumped out from behind the tree and said, See there, God didn't do that for you. I did that for you. And she said, Praise God for providing for groceries. And thank you for making the devil pay for it. <laughs> It's normal for us to get on each other's nerves. It's natural for... Uh, true story. I, uh, my, my, my son and I, we do we do uh, sports. And there's some other parents and kids there. and There's another family. And uh, they have a little boy. Um, and whenever he doesn't want to participate in the sport, um, he will throw a fit. I mean laying down. And, and they drag him out to the car. He's like on, on the pavement screaming, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Now, obviously... I never acted that way myself because I'm here today. You see, I I had my, my mom set me down and said, look, you can act the fool once. And after that, there's going to be a beautiful funeral and we're going to mourn you in Jesus name. And maybe we'll see in heaven or not, depending on what I decide. Now I, now these people, they're actually Asian and they, um, their children, they have older children. Their children turn out amazing. Their children study, they work hard, they're conscientious, they're high contributors to society, but they're they're, they're very indulgent when they're young. Now, if I would do that one time, I would be sold for soup money, Um, but they, 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 I've watched this man sit there and, and, um, and, and talk to his son, I mean, for an hour, we don't don't act like that. Stop acting like that. Get it. One day, true story. And this is showing you different cultures. One day, me and my, my I had my son and my daughter, and we walked past this family, and they're great people. And I, don't get me wrong, but they, it's just different cultures. And um, walked by this family, and this man sitting there saying his son is on the ground. <laughs> And he's saying, we don't act like that. And I have my daughter in my hand and my son's walking behind me. And we walk by and we kind of look at that. Then we get get in the car. We close the doors. I start the car and I turn around and I say to my children, I just have something I'd like to say. (laughs) They're looking at me like, oh, I'm going to die. And I said, if you ever act like that, (laughs) I'm sending you to Tina Mackey's house. Can I get a witness up in here? Now look. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Their kids are turn out fantastic. That's culture. Different cultures do different styles. Now, the way of the flesh is to look down at anybody who doesn't do it like we do it. The way of the flesh is to think less of them. But we have more in common than we actually have apart. Yes, it is true that nation turns against nation. And there's dis- the disagreement as city competes with city. And economic system competes with economic system. Yes, that is is the truth but the question that we have is does God have anything to say about the state of the human story where from the very beginning we hated our brother and when he made a different offering to God than we did we thought the solution to his difference was to kill him and so Cain killed Abel and the blood of Abel cried out to the Lord from the ground this is the way of the human story where does fighting and war come from among you Paul says it's from the lust of your flesh it is from the desires the vain glory that exists within you but does God have anything to say about this and I would say this to you yes God has a lot to say about a world filled with hatred and the church is what God decided to say to a world filled with hatred and division. The church is what God has to say to a world filled with strife and competition. The church is called to be a Christ-centered community of diversity. And its very life proclaims the power of God to overcome divisions that set one people against another people. In his letter to the Galatians, the apostle Paul wrote this. Now, preachers, if you preach something that is, is, is deeply felt within you, a lot of times there's a risk in Involved, and as a, a pastor, I, I know that risk. I feel like I, I, I need to stand on this. I need to I need to 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 make to make this or uh, do this or do that. Or uh, and a lot of times you think you think oh it's it's um it, you know it's it's easy. I want you to know it's not easy. It's terrifying because you wonder who's going to get mad at you if you do this or you don't do that. You wonder who's going to 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 say something about you if you do this or you don't do that. And 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 this imagine how hard it was for Paul to say this not in this world not in this time but in his time he said this in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek I wonder if the Jews are going to be mad because I just pointed out that they're not any better than the Greeks are they're not any holier than the Greeks are they're not any more righteous than the Greeks are I wonder if anybody's going to quit the church I'm saying it anyway he said there's neither Jew nor Greek neither slave nor free I want I wonder if anybody who is pretty well off and has a lot of slaves is going to quit the church. Doesn't matter. I'm saying it anyway. There is neither male nor female. That's one thing to say now. Imagine saying that in about 50 AD where there is no universal suffrage. There is no legal rights for women or very few. Paul says it then, neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The church, hear me. The church is God's statement to a world filled with hatred, competition, and strife. We live as people who have been touched by God's grace. And we should no longer be defined by the divisions that place plague the world. I want to say this to any of you who have been serving God for a few years Um, if you are new in your faith uh, it's good for you to understand this but uh, this isn't something you really should worry about but if you've been serving God a long time I think you need to deeply understand this. The sign of a dysfunctional church that has a form of godliness but no power of heart change. The sign of that is when the church drags the divisions that exist in the world to the inside of a sanctuary that's supposed to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sign, one of the signs is of a dysfunctional church is when they don't know the difference between the things you should fight about outside the church and the things that should be talked about inside the church. The sign of a carnal backslidden church is when we bring the divisions of the world uh, inside this house. This house isn't about Democrats. This house isn't about Republicans. This house isn't about one side of the socioeconomic divide. It's not about the other side. It's not about whether or not you come from an African tradition, an Asian tradition, or a European tradition. I don't see white. I don't see black. You have all been covered by the blood of Jesus. And inside this house, inside this church, it's about grace. It's about Jesus. Real quickly, the church sings a different song. There is given to us in the Psalms, which is the original praise and worship hymnal of the Bible 150 songs for your singing pleasure. It gives us a song for all peoples. It's the shortest psalm in all the Psalms, and it's short so people of all languages can learn it. And I'll read it to you Psalms 117. This is a song for all people. Say it with me a song for all people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. This is a song for all people. You don't have to speak fluent language to learn this simple song. You don't have to know all the different, all the inside of of history and understanding and theological difference and et cetera, et cetera. It's get really simple around here. Point number one, if you're in this house, why don't you join us in praising God? Point number one, this is a song for all people. You hear anyway, why don't you try lifting your voice? Why don't you try lifting your heart? Why don't you try lifting your hands in praising the Lord? Laud him, see the beauty of the Lord, perceive the goodness of the Lord for his merciful kindness is great toward us and his truth endures forever. Praise the Lord. This is the song that First Church needs to sing. It's not about you. It's not about me. His merciful kindness is great toward us and his truth endures forever. Real quick, I'm almost done. Real quick. uh, my, uh, whenever I hear of conflict in a society and division and there's uh, difficulty in a society, and America is, is full of this right now. Not just America, the world is full of this right now. The most common story that comes to me is the story told of Joshua in the fifth chapter. Joshua has led his people uh, to the walls of Jericho, and there is a battle that is going to happen. They're on, the, they are on the, the brink of a battle. And Joshua in chapter five, he, uh, he lifts his eyes and behold, he sees a man. With a a sword that is drawn Now this in the bible this man is capitalized To give it specific note Um, He sees an angel a mighty warrior He sees somebody he knows he can't whip Uh, You know if I'm going to have to fight anybody I want all the big people in the church on my side (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about If You got to fight big is better uh, so anyway, um, moving along, uh, he looks at this soldier and he's a whoa. He sees the, this, this mighty sor- soldier with a sword drawn. And um, he asks them this question. And this is, a, this is a smart question. Makes total sense. Look at, Are you on our side or are you on their side? Because <laughs> it's going to matter which way I'm running. <laughs> if you're on their side, I might need to rethink my life plan. <laughs> but if you're on our side, we're about to whoop up some fools in this house. I just need to know whose side are you on? And this majestic angel of heaven, this warrior angel of heaven, uh, um, he says, look, you're missing the point. Um, I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Yes. So here's what the, the angel says. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on the Lord's side. Our society is continually trying to drag the church into its divisions. It's trying to drag the church into its plan to fix things. The one politician wants you on their side, they want your money, your time, your vote. Another politician (laughs) wants you on their side, they want your money, your time, and your vote. And they're always trying to drag you into this side or that side. If there is a big conflict in a city, if there's riots, they'll go to the churches and they'll want to know your opinion because they're hoping you will take a side and you can make it about the story, and they can tell the story. And you will have taken side. But I would like to say something about first church culture. This is first church vision, first church culture, and first church values. We're not on their side, nor are we on their side. We're on the Lord's side. I'm closing. Musicians come. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. true story happened a little over five years ago. In the city of Peshawar, Pakistan, Uh, Sunday morning, there is a church there in Peshawar uh, called All Saints Church, and they have been there for over a hundred years, and they have a pretty good-sized church, and they're still there. They had service this morning. Uh, They're ahead of us on the time clock, and they've already had their service. They're probably asleep over there now. Uh, But they had church today. They're still there. On a Sunday morning in 2013, two Muslim suicide bombers entered All Saints Church. And they detonated their explosive vests and killed 127 people. Men, women, children. Another 250 were wounded. And these Christians in a Muslim state... Uh, they had tragedy visited upon them. They were used to paying a price for their faith because they are a minority. It's almost impossible for them to get regular jobs. And so if you're in this church and you live in this city, there's a very high probability that you will have to work as a garbage collector because the society thinks it's funny to make Christians collect their garbage, and that's the jobs that are available to Christians. And so this persecuted group of people On this day had tragedy visited upon them. 127 men, women, and children died. 250 fighting for their lives. Uh, There was no safety net for their wounds. There was no civic help for their funerals. No social services for them. Because there's no one in their society that would help them. And they, devastated by their loss. Had to figure out what to do. So, that happened on a Sunday morning. On Monday... A day after the bombing, almost all the press had left, all the cameras were gone, all the ambulances were gone, and they trickled in on Monday to a church filled with gore, filled with steel walls covered with gore, pews, chairs shattered, and they trickled in and sat down in the wreckage of their church somebody got up and started cleaning. After a few moments, some more people got up and started cleaning. Pretty soon everybody started cleaning that was there. In the shock and horror of their loss, they started cleaning. They took the shoes off of dead bodies and started cleaning shoes to give to the poor. They took shoes off children and started cleaning them they started washing the gore off the walls they started picking up shattered pews and chairs and sorting it all out and they all day long they cleaned blood off of floors and mopped and remopped and off of walls and took out shattered chairs and pews All day long until all the blood of their family members was washed off the walls. All the gore of their children was washed off the pews. And there, having cleaned the church, the secular report, the news media that was there, said that while they cleaned, the neighborhood was filled with their cry. And while they cleaned... The neighborhood was filled with the sound of their wailing. They were broken, but they didn't stop cleaning. They wept and they cleaned. They wailed and they cleaned. And finally at the day's end, the walls are clean. They rearranged what pews that remained. And they sat down. And somebody started singing their songs of praise to God. How could they do this? Why? Because they remembered their charter. Their church had not been established on accident. It was not a church of convenience or a church of if everything works out. It was a church with a mission. Their charter said this, and it had been written a hundred years before. This church is to be a witness for Christ in a major Islamic city. And so what do you do after an event like that? You go back to enthroning Christ with praise. You'll go back to being a witness of the goodness of God in the midst of agony and oppression. And you show the world through love what it thinks it knows in hate. But let me tell you a secret that is spiritually profound. Love never fails. And so they said our praises will not be stopped by this because our God and his love and his purposes are eternal. How could we keep from singing because we know the purpose of our praises which is to enthrone the glory of our Savior. A church with a mission cannot be stopped. So I want to take the I want to be audacious enough to speak for all of you and declare the mission of our church and to say this to whatever enemy that exalts itself against the work of God, whatever people fail to see his hand in the earth. I'll say this. You cannot stop the church. You can only try to get the church to stop. I'll say this to the princes of the air and the principalities that exist. You cannot stop the church. So you only can try to get the church to stop. That's not the same thing. I've come to tell every one of you who are living your life with a desire to praise God and enthrone him every day. I want to say I commend you in the name of the Lord today. I want to bless you today hatred exists all around the world it's not just one ethnic group to another it's back and forth it's not just say one direction where say a Muslim country hates Christians there's Christian countries who oppress Muslim minorities this is not a simple religion problem this is a human heart problem and we need to see that we need to see the capacity within the human heart to try to fix the world with force because the church is tempted to try to fix the world with force. <laughs> if the one who had force said that's not going to word work, but lay down his life. No man takes my life. I lay it down. He became the ultimate expression of how we should love one another and how we should include and how we should embrace and how we should love. So I want to speak and say everything that divides us outside the walls of this church is all left outside the walls of the church. And once we come into this house, it's not about where I'm from. It's not about my ethnic background. It's not about my cultural inheritance. This is what it's about. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus entered in, and then a little light of heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love, wrote my name above. I want to tell you about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to commend you today as image bearers of his nature, manifestations of his heart. And when we come together, All the tribes, tongues, kindreds, creeds, ethnicities, when we come together and exalt him, we succeed where hatred has failed. And we win where competition has wounded. And we testify of a God who makes all things new. That's what we do. Would you stand with me all across the house? I want to pray this blessing over you, Lord Jesus. These are your people. They are the sheep of your pasture. I speak your blessing over them today. I speak your strength to them today. I speak your anointing to them today. In Jesus' name don't let any of them be so spiritually simple as to think that they are alone when they most definitely are not alone, but you are with them. Bless them and lead them and guide them by your promise in Jesus. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929-4929. North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.